met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. episode of Subconscious Realms. I'm your host, General Lee, and for tonight, we're about to embark on a journey of utter fascination uh, through an abundance of many realms, courtesy of tonight's guest. He's actually an extraordinary returning guest, um, and that is uh, undoubtedly that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the host and creator of Beyond Room 313, Sir Thomas Sheridan. Now then, Thomas, mate. How are you, General? Every time I say your name, I feel obliged to stand up and salute. It's good to be back. <laughs> I love that, mate. I love it. And to come from somebody of your calibre, it makes it even better. Uh, thanks, mate. Uh, you know, that first show we did, mate, oh, it was, it, well, you blew my mind anyway. And the, the it feedback go down well, from that. It go down well with your listeners. Oh, for sure it did, mate. I, I mean, I was just going to say that, that the feedback I got that almost immediately all Great. positive mate um, it was it was a fascinating episode I loved it uh, the way the way you, um, you you presented your perspective as well it was just it was just perfect my opinion I loved it mate thank you very much so yeah, I mean man. we've done that and I have been looking forward to speaking to you again just for a catch up and seeing what what other madness we've got to uh, to share with the listeners. Um, I mean, I, I I wasn't aware of what what you we just quickly spoke about the Artemis. It sounds fascinating, mate. Yes. Well, yes. well, can can you tell the audience what you were saying about the moon? Because that's what led to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I just mentioned to Thomas that it's um, there's, there's me there's Carolyn, see some of our listeners, Carolyn, uh, Tina, uh, Jonah, we've all um, thought something's not quite right with the moon. I, I mean, it's difficult to explain, Thomas, but it's as if, like I'd say just before Christmas, and it's still up until now, it's, there's just something not quite right about it. I'm not sure what it is, but it's just not, not how... I don't, it's difficult to explain, mate, without uh, fumbling about. It's just well, weird. It's just behaving not, not normal. Well, the yeah, well, the moon is a very peculiar thing, isn't it? It's like, it's it's you know, no other planet in the solar system has a satellite like ours. It's way too yeah. big. It's nearly as big as the planet Pluto. I think, in fact, I think it's even bigger than the planet Pluto, and it's really close. And life wouldn't exist without it. It's almost like it was brought here. And uh, I had a vision, well, not a vision, I tell you, I, ha- I had this dream about 20 years ago when I was living yeah. in Dublin. Yeah. And in the dream, it said that 
human consciousness lived at the bottom of the ocean. It existed at the very bottom of the ocean and it couldn't get yeah. to the surface of the earth because it's top the surface of the earth was inhospitable. So through a kind of a, 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 a consciousness kind of projection, it pulled the passing moon or passing planet into the orbit of the earth. And this allowed the earth to be regulated by the actual spin of the moon around the earth. Yeah. And that formed, that stabilized all the, all the, the turmoil on the surface and, the, and in the oceans, eventually allowing us to evolve into different life forms until we got onto the surface you know, so many millions of years ago. And I, t- and I woke up from that and I said, oh, fuck me, that was, a, that was an interesting dream. And I, went, and I looked at my bedside clock and it was, it was 3.33 a.m., which is the part of the time of the year when the earth is the oh, fullest. Oh, that time, mate. Yeah, it's the fullest point. Time, 3.33. Yeah, it's the fullest point from the sun. And I walked over to get a glass of water out of the kitchen sink, and there was the crescent moon rising over Dublin Bay. So it was like, uh, it was like, uh, what you call it, almost like a for a prophecy thing. But you were saying about the weird, yeah. the moon being weird. I about last winter, last late last, no early last spring, 2022, I stopped. I used I was I used to have a Sunday job. I, I, I at, until then. And I used to have to get up very early in the morning, and I was go- and I was I went in, I was hungry to get my breakfast, so I went into a into a garage, into a you know roadside garage and got like myself a sandwich, and it was about yeah, yeah. eight seven a.m. seven thirty, and I look up at the sky, and the moon and I and I've been following astronomy all my life, the moon was on its side. I I, I wasn't imagining it. They're not a man on the moon. The face was on its side, which only happens if you live near the equator. Because uh, I've seen it myself right, right. in Sri Lanka. It's on the moon. The man on the moon is on its side in the equator, and it's upside down when you're in Australia, because the angle, because we're going around the Earth. And I, I, I can tell you, I, I saw it with my own eyes. It wasn't a hallucination. I wasn't mistaking it. Yeah. The man on the moon was yeah. on its side. So the moon is peculiar. It's a peculiar thing. Now, it's funny you mention that there's something not right with the moon at the moment, because NASA launched this mission called Artemis to send a man into the moon, but not on the surface, to orbit it. And uh, for, it, 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 they gave some bullshit about future planned missions, whatever. And uh, <laughs> yes. the rocket, the rocket took way too long to get there. Like they, it looked, it made made like two weeks to get there, and uh, it just took forever. And the mission is all weird and all hush hush and everything. And there's lots of spaceships being sent to the moon at the moment. I saw a very frightening photograph actually, uh, and not, not not frightening because it was dangerous or anything, but it gave me the, it just gave me the willies that a Korean a Korean uh, spaceship took of the earth rising over the moon in tremendous clarity. And there was the South Pole very clear and Australia very clear and Africa very clear. And it was just like, it just was, it just reinforced to me that humans are not meant to go out into deep space. Just like HP Lovecraft said, we're not meant to travel far. A few years ago, I made a film called uh, Lever Velocity, a Velocity about Jack Parsons. Lever Velocity. Uh, yeah, Velocity. about Jack oh, Parsons. Did you make? What's that? Oh, that's, that, that, I want to. Is that on your YouTube, that, Thomas? It's on Beyond Room Three One Three. I'll have uh, a look at 
It's about Jack Parsons and the relationship between the occult in America and the development of the rocket program. And uh, uh, I lost my train of thought then. Jack Parsons, the moon, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Rocket program. Uh, and I, so I, I started, I went into NASA's uh, photo archive and I, I looked at all the Apollo moon mission photographs of the moon. Now, there are dozens and dozens of them. And we've only seen the really good ones that came out nice and crisp and sharp. But there's loads of ones where the camera was pointing at the ground or it was overexposed or there was light leak on the film. There's loads of bad pictures of the moon, loads of them. But they were interesting to me because I've never seen them before. And I spent one night going through these pictures, hundreds of them probably. And at the end of it, I felt like disturbed. I said, that moon is a haunted realm. It's a haunted realm. There's something about that moon that's not right. It's a, a place, a place of ghosts. Now, I, I, some, that's how I felt about it. And uh, in Soviet Union, they abolished religion during the, the time of the Soviet Union. But they had a weird kind of space religion called cosmism, which and this was actually a, a, accepted as a religion in the, in, in the USSR. And they believed that there was no God or any spiritual life or supernaturalism or life after death on the planet Earth itself. But everything else in terms of that, spiritual experiences, the survival of death, dead ancestors actually lived in outer space. They lived in the cosmos. And the wow, Russian, wow. a huge part, in the same way that a big part of the Apollo program was driven by the occult work of, of in the early days, a huge part of the Russian one was driven by a belief, and this is like weird stuff, that there was, that we, if we build rockets and build radio telescopes, we'll be able to contact our dead ancestors in space. And that was a real religion called Cosmism. And there's a, a Russian movie called Solaris that was made in the 70s about a cosmonaut who meets his dead wife in outer space. And that was remade with George Clooney about 10, 20 years ago. But the original Russian version is much more spooky that cosmonauts were going into space to meet their dead relatives, their ghosts. So there's something spooky about space and this at the moon and all that stuff. But I've, we haven't had a clear night here in God knows weeks. It's been totally cloudy. But tonight, it looks like we're going to get a good night tonight. So I'm going to go out and have a look at the moon and see if I can see anything peculiar about it. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I think. Oh, do us a favour, Thomas. Uh, you know your volume on your your phone. Could you adjust it? It's like echoing. I'm, I'm like when I hear, I can hear myself twice. Is it too high? Because I'm hearing you perfect. Uh, uh, possibly it might be. Yeah. Uh, How do I do that? Actually, it sounds it sounds fine now. Because. Um, okay, I, I, you know, I, I, I was very close. I'll sit back here. Is that better? Um, I don't. Can you hear me? I'll tell you what. Let me. Can you hear me now? As clear as anything. That's it now. It's not. It's not um, echoing back to me now, mate. It must have been that way. It would have been close to it. I don't know. Yeah, We're good now, though. Yeah. It, well, it I'll tell you what, mate. I'll tell you what. That what you've just um, explained to me about the moon. This is making me even more dubious about it. I don't know what it is. I really yeah. don't know what it is. It's just something not quite right, mate. Um, but that, that Artemis. Yeah, yeah. Now look it up. I made a video. If you go my Beyond Room 313 channel, uh, I yeah. did a, a talk on Artemis 
from a, a VON program about Novemberish, and check that out. There's something yeah. peculiar about that. There's something peculiar about that Artemis mission. I don't know what it is, but it's very peculiar. They send this gigantic rocket, an incredibly powerful rocket, and yet they deliberately take ages to get to the moon, where they could have. They, they deliberately took the longest route to the moon. Where sh- what was that all about? You know, what was the, what was the hell was going on there? And you know, uh, I, I in 2014 I wrote a book called Valpurgis Night about the rise of uh, folk magic in the United States in the, in Germany and how it, how it impacted upon the the Third Reich. And when I, I put a quote in there. I put a quote in there, and uh, did you take that picture? I've, yeah, I took them last night. Can I see that again? Yeah, if you if you go um, if you just go back like as if you just opening a new message, mate. Uh, this should be in be in this call now. Okay. Yeah. Like, um, That's yeah, weird, mate. Right? It is very weird. I mean, but, it looks like, know, it's I, on, like I got news for you. It looks like it's on its side too. Slightly, not to the severe angle, not to the severe angle I saw it. Yeah. But it looks like it's on its side. It's definitely the man on the moon. It doesn't look straight up. But you're right. It's very. It's a good picture. What what camera did you use to take that? Do you know, right? Like, I'm very surprised how this came out. I actually took it on my phone. I've got a Samsung well, you ne- Galaxy. You never FE. get good. You never get good moon photos on phones. That's weird. Yeah, it's very weird. I mean, I I took. The ones I took uh, just before them is just sent you some uh, some more. That's what I initially took, but I just yeah, that, that, that's what you that's what you normally get, shite like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and 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 you're looking at this thing and it's really big and crystal clear in front of you, and you take a picture. It's it makes you wonder about the whole matrix and the quantum stuff, doesn't it? <laughs> Like it's it's allowing it itself does, to be seen. It it's, a, it's allowed itself to be seen on a camera phone, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's it's you know the, 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 there's there's a lot of weird stuff happening in the world, and reality doesn't feel right or something to me. Well, but anyway, back to Valpurgis Night in 2014. <laughs> I found the quote in a book about Adolf Hitler's files, and when he was in uh, prison with Rudolf Hess right in Mein Kampf, he referred to the moon as a plate, the pale gray fellow where some awful secrets reside. And I found that such a cryptic uh, c- c- quote. Like, why was, sure, Hitler, why was Hitler afraid of the moon? It said it made, the moon made his blood run cold and that pale gray fellow is, is holding secrets that we shouldn't know. Something like that. And that really stuck with me when I found that quote. That really is, mate. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't believe that Apollo missions happened, but I do, because I, I went really into deep into studying them, and I, I, I like everyone else, had my questions about them in the early, you know, a few years ago. Is it legit? Yeah. But the more I dug into it, every single outstanding query I had was kind of like, okay, that answers that question. But then I really, then the, the one that always stuck with me was when they, the Apollo 11, the first bunch of guys came back, they had a press conference and they were, they looked like they were sh- just like had been be- shell shocked or something. I you think, know, yeah. I think they saw shit on the moon. I think the reason why they never went back to the moon is they saw shit on the moon 
or experience psychedelic stuff or something on the moon that no one in NASA was ready for. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't believe for one minute that everything went swimmingly up there. I mean, like you said, when they came, you see pictures on, on videos of them and they look like um, they've seen something, like the, the shit shocks out of them. Yeah, they look like when they, you see they, like, they say there's a terrorist attack and they interviewed the coppers afterwards. They were like that. They had that kind of... Yeah, yeah. I don't really want to talk about a kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, reality, it, it, that, you look at it as if... It's like when you go yeah. out of Earth orbit, the 48 move away from the Earth's gravitational field. It's like reality, the matrix breaks down. The wave, you know, like the quantum wave functions collapse or something, you know? And you, yeah, you, see, shit, that. you, you see shit you shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. It, it it really does make you wonder on, on why it has uh, nobody gone back there and they, all that bullshit about oh we've lost uh, the tapes and yeah that that's but, not that, that's not true that they, they didn't lose any they did lose the tapes but everyone had the original copies because they all they all filmed the original broadcast from the moon and they didn't lose the technology that's another made up thing the the excuse they always gave was that it was just too expensive and there's nothing on the moon for us. There was nothing up there. I didn't find anything that was any use. And it was also, which doesn't make sense. Like it was 120 to the budget of the United States. And the country was going through the Vietnam War and all that stuff at the time. So I get that part of it. But I think it was much more than that. I think that those guys, and if you listen to some of, lots, lots of yeah, like one guy, Edgar Mitchell, who was a astronaut who went up there. And they said, what was it like? He said, if I was a mystic, a psychiatrist, a poet, a philosopher, and a... A holy man, I still couldn't explain to you what I saw on the moon. So there you go. Oh, that's, that's what I've always went with. I tell you what, mate, I, I love that. I think that, why can't they just be honest with us? If they've not been there, fair enough, just tell us. Yeah. Which I think we deserve, as a society, we deserve yeah. to know the truth. Yeah, it's but they, difficult, it, it, it definitely did go, because the Russians and South Koreans and the the Iranians and everyone all confirmed that they went because they they tracked the the spaceships to the surface. They tracked them leaving, yeah. they, so they they tracked them on the surface, and so that you know the and there was amateur radio guys who've tracked them as well. So uh, it was you know don't you ha- you know you have to remember those guys had balls of steel to do that. I mean I, I read oh. this thing that they were interviewed. They 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 came up to Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins before not. Uh, uh, before Apollo 11, and they told them, well, Michael, you have a 75% chance of survival, but Neil and uh, Buzz, you've probably got about an 18 to 30% chance of survival. And they still got into the rocket. Fair play, mate. And, and, and when you see people saying they're a bunch of liars and cowards, and I think that's really disrespectful. They were all hard-nosed Navy fighter pilots. You know, They were not like dickheads like Brian Cox or people like that. Excuse me. Quality, mate. Hey, mate, truth. That's what you're being. You're being truthful, and some people don't like the truth, mate. I don't know why. Yeah, well, we all have have our own opinions, and that's the end of it. We we do, mate. I studied studied deep. I'm just like everyone else. I was very suspicious about the Apollo stuff as well. But when I dug into it, every single query I had was answered. Every single one. So, I mean, what what was I supposed to say then? I'm not a re- developer of religion and still say to rely it. You know, I can't. That's my mind doesn't yeah. work that way. Do you, you think, do you think Thomas? Yeah. Do you think Thomas that they could possibly 
have been some sort of extraterrestrial life form up there do you think or yeah because there was like loads of stories about they saw these strange lights that were following them on on the moon and there was something there was one transmission where the guy was where he was picking out he was mining some rocks and they yeah. found some unusual stones and he said oh we had we, we were not the first one has been here look at all those chip marks down the side of the seam which was weird in itself you know that really isn't it and then, and then another transmission was there's something over there on the crater. They've been observing us and moving around the whole time. Yes, yes, I've, I've heard that one. Um, it's as if, almost as if they were being watched. Yeah, this is, and when those things were, when those when those missions happened, all that stuff leaked out on live TV because they were very naive, uh, NASA. In many ways, they allowed the TV feed to run 24 seven and gave the the unlock codes the, the not the codes the frequencies to any TV yeah. company in the world who wanted it so that stuff all leaked out and was never ever what's the word it, it, it was it's that's all been hidden that's when they say we lost the tapes they they scrubbed the tapes of that stuff uh, of that stuff but yeah that's people all over the world were sitting there and you know the ones who are still interested by the time of apollo 16 or whatever and suddenly the guy goes there's something on the other side of the crater it's following us you know i have a new theory is that they create the whole moon the, the nasa itself and, and the cia created a moon landing hoax in order to cover up for the weird shit that went down on the moon. And when you think about it, it's the perfect cover story, isn't it? They never went. Yeah, it sounds like that, yeah. And it gets anyone it's, who it's... might be interested in anything spooky about the moon suddenly not interested in that, and they're saying, ah, they faked it. You know, what a perfect way <laughs> to hide the real spooky stuff. Yeah, mate. Um... You know, these guys <laughs> These guys have been at this shit a lot longer than any of us. And you have, you know, yeah. they, we're not, you know, they, they've been all schooled in espionage and mind control and everything, and to assume that they would just do something like make it look like it was a hoax. No, it's not that simple. There's something else going on. It's no. deeper. It's deeper and darker than that. Much, much deeper. I, I believe it's like you said, darker. I think it, there's something probably a darkness what we are not familiar with and totally way out of our depths. I think there's something really dark around the moon. Yeah, yeah, and there were some early Soviet missions where the the astronauts refused to get back in a spaceship for a second time. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like Yuri Gagarin, and Yuri Gagarin mysteriously gets killed in a plane crash years later, and uh, that's a common one too. But uh, the the guy, they, they, there was two guys in, involved in the Soyuz missions back in the early 70s, and they went up once, came back, and refused to go back again. And that was one. And another one was Edgar Mitchell, who'd went up at the, I think it was the Gemini or the Mercury rocket back yeah. in the early 60s. The first transmission he said when he got back from space was, there's critters up here. Critters? Critters. Like there was animals living in space. Now, do you know something, mate? Like, for, for you to say critters like that, I'm immediately thinking of the film from the 80s remember that film critters and it was like them yeah. balls from outer space and they look like sort of like a raccoon type with teeth and... well that's what he saw he saw these he saw he said they were like animals of some kind swarming around a spaceship and he called them critters and wow. uh, it's even in that brilliant movie <laughs> the right stuff about uh 
about uh, the early days of the space program in America. It's a fantastic movie, actually. It's called uh, The Right Stuff. The Right Stuff, yeah. It's a beautiful-looking film, too. It's uh, Kevin Cosner, not Kevin Cosner, Kevin Bacon is in it. It's a really good movie. But, uh, or no, Randy Quaid. Sorry, no, one of the Quaids. One of the Quaids. Right, okay. It, and it's a brilliant movie. But uh, it, it shows that scene, and uh, it shows... Uh, it's it's quite a mystical movie in its way. There's one scene where they go to Australia and the Australian Aboriginal shaman are sending up messages into space to reach the astronauts. It's like a very it's a much deeper film than it wow. was like made out to be. It's definitely worth watching, but uh, and it's beautiful looking film as well. And uh, it's a great sixties vibe to it as. But uh, yeah. there was other things. There was a, a the most a remarkable thing back in the eighties. The NASA was experimenting with this long wire that they were running out of the space shuttle and they thought they could use it as a way of collecting, generating electricity. The idea was that this cable was called a tether, a tether and it was to go out like about you know, a mile or so into space and it would float a mile behind the space shuttle and it, would be, it was able to pick up uh, cosmic rays and convert them into electricity. And that way it would give extra power supply because they didn't have enough power on the shuttle to do a lot of big experiments they wanted because they could only take batteries with them and some solar power. So they, 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 need, they badly needed a big power supply in space. And this tether thing was a test for it. Well, live on TV, and you can find this thing, find the shuttle. If you go look on YouTube, the shuttle te tether, and tether. tether and UFOs or something they call it. And they switched the thing on and suddenly it gets swarmed with things that look like jellyfish. What? And, and you see the guy in NASA on the ground going, uh, 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 it, it, we seem to have a lot of cosmic dust on the, on, on what is that? And the guy in the astronauts going, we're getting interference. I don't know quite what it is. And eventually the guy says, shut it off. It was a swarm of things that they were like circular. They would look like, you know those jellyfish that don't have their little tentacles on the bottom? They're, they're, they just kind of fly in the sea. <clears throat> and it, it looked like... <coughs> excuse me. It looked like them. And, but they had a... You, see, you can see, we look at these things, that they, they look like marine animals flying around the tether. Is that a bit like, um, like a Portuguese man of war type jellyfish? No, I don't know if you have... It, it, I, don't, I don't know if you grew up near the sea when you were, when you were a kid or went there. Right, okay. But sometimes when I was a kid... There would be these outbreaks of, they were kind of like um, an outbreak or something of jellyfish, millions of them, that was washed up on all the beaches and rocks. And they were big brown circular things about the size of a vinyl LP. And they didn't have tentacles on the bottom. They were just like basically a big disc. Well, it looked like, like a them. big blob. Yeah, a blob, but a perfect circle, though. Uh, it looked like them. I think I know what you mean, mate. Yeah, they're, uh, brown, like, they're brown and really ugly looking, yeah. Yeah, they come like droves, don't they? Shitloads of them whenever you see them. Yeah, that's right. And some some years they all come ashore and they're millions. Hey, what's going on at all? Yeah, it's crazy. You, know, you, th you think of it. I mean, society in itself it is um, things are ramping up gradually, but uh, you know, in a worrying way. Yeah, you know, like the um, last time, the last time we were talking about. Irish mythology and stuff like that. Yes, yes. I was uh, I was talking to a friend here about that, and he goes, "Thomas, we're living in those ages now, you know, between the lockdowns and the scamdemics and all that stuff, and all the weird shit going on in the world and everything." He goes, uh, "People not knowing what gender they are, and 
Uh, I mean, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, he says, we're living in the time of epics. We're living through what our ancient ancestors lived through today. And I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, if you think, you think about that, though, Thomas, you think back then, they like now while we've got like technology on our side, so to speak, back then they didn't. Could you imagine what it would have been like, like a thousand years ago in England and Ireland? And we're, it, yeah, well, that's why they would, they would have, that's why they had Maryland and, you know, these sort of stories and stuff like that. They they didn't have technology like we did, but they had a kind of a, a linguistic technology, which they could, same with the people in India, they could actually verbalize in terms of me, metaphor and allegory and stories, you know? So they yeah. had like, although they didn't have the actual science that we have behind it, they still knew a lot of the same shit we do. You know, like the way the ancient yeah. Hindus yeah. knew that the world, that the universe was a matrix, and it wasn't actual reality, it was just perceived reality, and they call it the Maya, the illusion, you know, so it's like, they've always known this stuff, but they just had their own different way, rather than using the language of science to describe it, they used the language of mythology to describe it. Yeah, I think, um, and, and to say that, Thomas, the mythological side of, of everything to me is the most fascinating. Yeah, because it really it's true. Is. It's just like yeah. J.R. Tolkien, Tolkien said that, you know, it's it's the truth. It's the, the real truth is the mythology, not the history. Yeah. Well, because the, the, history is, the history is the official shit, right? Yeah. But the mythology is what the people experienced. So therefore, like when I'm talking about the Apollo thing, right? Well, what's the history? Well, all the shit that NASA told us and all the newspapers and the TV told us, right? But what's the mythology? The stuff that we were just talking about, what the astronauts, the weird shit the astronauts experienced on the moon and the weird shit around it, that's the stuff that will endure because it's it, when you hear that stuff, there's a kind of an instant kind of feeling inside you. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, like that, a gut feeling, isn't it? Like, yeah, um, like we're going somewhere, somewhere with this. Hey, I think you've just hit the nail on the head with a description that it is like um, a gut feeling. It's like sometimes as well. I mean, Thomas, right? I, I've been uh, looking into uh, Le Borg about Iran, and um, mate, to think about when this was written. Now I know what people say, oh, it's fiction. Regardless, it is a fascinating the myth- mythological side of of, um, of you know society, I guess. And, and what, what, what book are you reading? Uh, Le Borg, Ballet, Iran, the uh, Book of Invasions. Oh, Lower? Lower. Yes. Lower, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, those, well, you know, they talk about the, the different races are coming to Ireland. And, yeah. you know, you know, and, and, and we, we live in an age of migrations and stuff like that. And, I mean, the part in that where the, the Druid American destroys the two of the Danum with a poem and he calls himself I am the satirist of the wind I mean what kind of minds come up with those kinds of things they, they, there was a whole different mindset and to, you know he's like, well how could you destroy a, a, a culture with a poem well it's early propaganda isn't it hey mate yeah, it's exactly that yep I think uh, well I've got I'm, I'm sat here again mate with that daft smirk it's just 
so fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I have like uh, spoke on the Tuatha before. Um, yeah. Different Tua. than Tua. what we spoke about. It's pronounced Tua. 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 Yeah. Tua. That's how, Tua. That's how it's pronounced. Yeah, the, the old the old uh, baron, baron baronial lands of Ireland were named after the old two. It means tribe. That's what it means. Tribe, so tribe, right, okay. tribe yeah. <clears throat> you, yeah. In your um, in your your like expertise, because you are mate, you're an expert in this kind of field in in any anything history and mythological from from our parts of the world. We, we with regards to the book of invasions could you suggest any other literature what you think would be beneficial for yeah i think well you should be looking at your own english stuff as well and <laughs> unfortunately a lot of that was lost when the normans invaded england when the normans yeah. invaded england and you had things like the harrying of the north and they basically a genocide of the old english but if you look at the Grail Mysteries uh, and Geoffrey of Marmoth and, you know, the history of Maryland and stuff like that, yeah. there's a deep, deep fountain in there. Definitely a deep fountain. If you look into the Grail Mysteries of the kind of that on that stuff on your side and there's, yeah. there's links as well. I think I, I mentioned, mentioned to you last time that the four Grail treasures of the Grail romances are exact, are, are exact identical to the four treasures of the two of the Dallin. So, you know, we're talking archetypes here, you know. So, you know, you don't even have to, you know, you, you, you dig deep enough, you find that stuff. You even find it in things like Mad as it sounds. You even find it in things like Shakespeare. I was just thinking about like Shakespeare plays and how much mythology is actually buried in them. Well, you have like, you know, A Midsummer Night's Dream is basically about all about paganism. You have Pan, and you have uh, you have all these characters inside it. You have King Oberon, who's the king of the fairies, and Oberon, uh, yes. Oberon, and he's used in like ritual magic even to this day uh, to conjure him. And you have uh, you have the the three weird sisters in Macbeth, uh, and they're definitely based on the Norns of uh, Norse mythology, the three fates. So, you know, the stuff was maybe the, the Normans officially wrecked it, you know, through the harrying of yeah. the North in England. But it survived in so many things in local folklore and things like that. Yes, mate. Well, it's funny you should mention Oberon. Um, last night I did an episode, Thomas, uh, with it was me, uh, Robin Marks, my co-host, and we had Gary Wayne on. He's an author. I'm not sure. Are you familiar with Gary Wayne? I don't know the chap, sorry. All right, okay. Well, we did um, with an episode. It was on um, the Upia and the Strigoi, which are like um, basically vampires. Right. And um, the Oberon was mentioned uh, numerous times at being King of the Furries as well, which is um, it's nice to hear you, you speak of it as well. Like nice, nice coincidences. Nice synchronicity there. Yes, mate. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Uh, Crazy and synchronous. Yeah, Oberon was used in, co- in, fo- in conjuration of folk magic. Uh, they had these groups called the Cunning Folk in England, and cunning they were folk. cunning folk. They were basically witches, and yeah. they, they could do things. They could help you. They mostly did healing. Of course, when King, you know, King James the First of Scotland 
came down and became king of England, he, he had them all wrecked. But uh, before that, you, you would get information off them about missing things. And what they would say, suppose you had lost, you, you lost something or you had a horse that was sick and you couldn't figure it out. Well, you go to the cunning folk and the cunning folk would invoke manifest or draw down Oberon and ask because Oberon is a fairy. He doesn't live in the same space time continuum that we do. So he could move backward in the, and into the future. And so it, it, Oberon, you could trap him with a seal, a sigil. And ah. uh, it, you wouldn't you would not release him. <coughs> Excuse me. You would not release him. You can edit that out. You would not release him until uh, he get he got you what you wanted, and yeah. that's yeah. that 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 was the whole concept of that. So he would find m- money that you'd lost, or he could find well that the horse has a tumor in his hip, this kind of thing. So that's what they were u- Oberon was used for. Now they they called him Oberon, and if you look at how the cunning folk drew him, they drew him like a like a genie. He had a fair a a turban on his head. You know, like a genie in the, the genie in the bottle, like the yeah, Middle Eastern yeah, thing. Yeah. Gin. He was. He, they drawn. They drew him with a, a turban on his head and everything. Weird, isn't it? That's very strange. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of them. It's strange. It's weird. It, I love anything like this. It is. Yeah, like you said, it's fascinating, mate. It really is. And when you've got, I mean, like yourself, Thomas. You, to me, you're um, you're one of the true pillars of this community. I think we are very, very lucky to have somebody who presents themselves just like you do. And I, and I feel I, I feel proud to, I, I feel I'm, proud to know you, Thomas. I appreciate that. I mean, I'm just a regular Irish fella. There's nothing special about me. I just like sharing what I've learned, you know, growing up. I beg to differ, mate. I beg to differ. You are, you are a legend, mate. You're an OG, so to speak. And that, that's a huge compliment, that, mate. Well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Oh, no problem, mate. It's uh, like I said, mate. I'm proud to be to be speaking to you as well. Now, it is. It feels so surreal sometimes, <laughs> and I love it. I, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity once again, mate. No, no, I enjoyed the talk last time, and so it's just yes, it was good, mate. It's it was good. good. It was it's fun too. Yes, thank you. Uh, but like, what your own perspective on? Uh, Tuatha, tw- you say? Tuatha. Tua. 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 Yeah, the Irish don't pronounce the TH sound because it doesn't exist in the Irish language. So Tua. Tua. Do you yeah. uh, do you speak fluent Irish? Yeah, fair, well, uh, not a lot, but I mean... You yeah, can do, wow. I can, re- I can read it. Well, you learn it in school here, but you forget it because the most... The part of Ireland I grew up in is, was English-speaking. But yeah, like, I mean, just about everyone in Ireland can, can speak it to a degree, you know? But yeah. uh, I'm not as good as I used to be pretty good as a teenager. But you forget a lot when you're not using it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean, mate. I mean, we I did a little bit of French in school. Don't know why we, we did French, but I mean, I'm talking a handful of lessons I did, if that. Yeah. But I think, I mean, like you've got the Irish um, language and the Welsh languages. I think that they're, um, I think they're a beautiful sounding language. Yeah, they, they really are. Very different, very unique. Yeah, um, and they're both very different from each other. They're they not. Are, the, yeah, yeah. They're both Celtic languages, but the Welsh language is Britonic. The Irish language is Gaelic. It's a it's a Gaelic language. 
so, so like I, I I can go to Wales, like North Wales, and uh, I was in there's parts of North Wales where they're a bit funny. They don't like talking in the around Anglesey area. You go into like right. a petrol station to get like an ice cream or something, and they don't they don't like talking uh, English, so they talk. It, uh, so I start. The woman was talking uh, into Welsh, uh, and I re- replied back in Irish. And she looked at me and laughed. And uh, then she started speaking English. And, and I said, she just, she just, like, are you speaking Irish? And I go, yeah. Uh, and I go, yeah. And I says, she says, it's nothing like Welsh. And I said, yeah, well, we're two different languages. It's the, uh, both Celtic languages, but one is Goldic and the other one is Britonic. Britonic. That's uh, it. Yeah. It's I, th- I think it's uh, brilliant that you can speak it. And I think that everybody from like like everybody's Irish, I think, um, in my own opinion, should be speaking it. Not, I don't mean full time. I just think, as, as to me listening to it, I think it just sounds like I said, it sounds beautiful. Welsh as well. well. Not many people like Welsh. It's a bit more guttural. It's a bit more. It's a, when you hear poetry said in Welsh compared to poetry in Irish, it doesn't have that same musicality. Although it's a bit weird, though, because the Welsh are beautiful singers and their folk songs are gorgeous, you know? Oh. So it's like maybe Welsh la- lends itself more to singing, where Irish lends itself more to poetry. Yeah, I like that, mate. I do like that. You've and got say, uh, and, and, and English, English might lend itself better to things like plays and scripts and drama, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they, they are uh, beneficial in their own ways, I guess. To yeah. We all see things differently, don't we? Like, we've all got our own uh, perspectives and beliefs. Yeah. But I am... Uh, it's impressive you uh, you can speak Irish. I love it, mate. <laughs> so, uh, no wonder you, uh, you can pick up on like that. So yeah, I, no, but, but uh, have you ever been to Ireland? It's, it's bilingual here. I have been. So. Yeah, I've been to. The role, uh, all the signs are in Irish and English, so it's not. It's not like me speaking Irish is not like you speaking Anglo-Saxon. You know what I mean? Yeah. It still yeah. exists. The language. It's not an. You know, it's an ancient language. It still exists here. Where in England, yeah. you don't have road signs in Anglo-Saxon or English. No, we so, don't. Do we? I think that's. Uh, shame that's, 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 there, there's a campaign for you. Have the road signs in England and in, in Anglo-Saxon. <laughs> I love it, mate. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, I've been to Glasnevin um, twice, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I tell you what, the the cemetery there, mate. Oh, I've got a thing. I think cemeteries there they can be beautiful places. But Where that which? One at Glas, Glasnevin. Glasnevin. That's a big, huge, gigantic one on the oh, north yeah. side. Yeah, it's, it's massive. Yeah, mate. I tell you what. All my, the, all the my family, all my family are buried there. Uh, there's an even there's a brilliant one on the south side of Dublin called Mount Jerome. It's not as big, but it's Mount like Jerome. something. It's like something out of a Dracula movie. It's oh, uh, all gothic. Yeah, and all Freemasonic tombs. Yeah, <laughs> Freemasonic like uh, edifices and tombs and. Oh, it's just oh. mind blowing. It's a, uh, it's, 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 it's. You know, they have like a gothic tour of Dublin, and that's one of the places they take people because it is like something out of an old Hammer horror film, an old Dracula movie. Mate, I, I was brought up watching Hammer horror, all the yeah. uh, Tigon and the Amicus. I love it. I love it. Both. Good education. Good education. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
I'll tell you what, what, what mate. What brought you to Glastonavon? It was actually a family grave. Oh, okay, so your ancestors. Yeah. Did you go to that pub there, the Grave Diggers? Uh, we did go to a pub just outside the cemetery, but I'm not sure what it was called, mate. All yeah, I remember is... There's a famous a one called Grave Diggers. Grave and uh, it's got it's a restaurant and pub. And it's like in the old days, not when they used to dig graves by hand, there'd be, there'd be hundreds of fellas working in that graveyard, yeah. digging all day long. And they used to get well, at the at they used to get at the end of the day they'd get the the, the council or whatever would, would give them a pint of Guinness. And so there was a little hatch at the back of the wall where they'd put the the, the pints of Guinness out to the grave diggers at the end of the day when they finished their work through a hole in the wall, which was which is kind of it's funny, isn't it? That it's is, funny. That is, uh, it's funny because they were they couldn't come into the pub because the poor guys were were been you know grafting all day and were covered in muck and everything, you know. Yeah. So they'd have they they had they had a little hatch where they'd give them the pint and they'd drink it outside, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was quality that right. Now they did the graves with a machine, but in the old days when they did it by hand. Yeah, I could imagine that would have been uh, a grueling job to do that, mate. Grueling. Yeah, especially Irish soil with all the rocks and everything in it, gosh. Yeah, but it was proper solid, but dead half, proper hard as fuck soil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, imagine winter and stuff. That was uh, yeah. a free, when I was I grew up near there, that was a free date when I was a kid. You could you take yeah. you take girls to, to graveyards, they love it. And, uh, I can remember, like, I took a, I used to take a, a times there on dates. Some girls love going to graveyards and looking at the tombstones and everything. There's the yeah. smart, interesting girls, you know, They're like the, the the cute goth and punk rock girls and heavy metal girls. They used to love all that stuff, taking photographs and drawing the graves. So that was like, a, not, a, not, I, used, like I used to get slagged off in school. You, you took her to the graveyard? I said, man, it's an untapped resource. <laughs> Fucking quality, mate. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a man after my own heart. I'll tell you what, so, honestly, I've, uh, I think they're, they're fascinating places. Uh, especially, oh, yeah. you see some of the, we've got one in town. Uh, oh, you've got some great great. Oh, I'll tell you what. All over England, there's fantastic ones. Yeah, I'll tell you what, mate. This, this one just outside of town where I live, and uh, it's, I've never seen a graveyard with, uh, gravestones with so much masonry imagery you know the compass and the square oh and yeah loads of them mate loads of them oh yeah it's amazing isn't it that goes to show you how many yeah. people were involved in the craft in the old days yeah yeah, yeah. it's either that they're either like like you said they're involved in the craft or there could be something maybe esoteric behind it i don't know yeah usually not usually you know the, the 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 gravestones that are columns, they're like little miniature versions of Cleopatra needles. A lot of them, right. are, a lot of them are masons. But this place in South Dublin, in Mount Jerome, the the actual canopies are like they're like Roman temples with the with oh, the compass and squares on them and stuff like that. So these guys were clearly advertising to the world like I was a master mason or whatever. Like oh. that. It's like hardcore, you know. They don't even hide it. Yeah. yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you what as well, mate. I bet they were expensive. What's that? They cost, they're not. They're not cheap gravestones. I know that. But for the ones you saying, like the ones at Mount Jerome with the columns, like the like yeah. Romany type ones, it must have yeah. cost a fortune, then, man. Oh yeah, and like the, that one, like you know, the Highgate Cemetery in London. 
I just oh, like that as well. And, you know, it, and this, yeah. Highgate. I, somebody mentioned yeah. it to me a couple of weeks ago. I just didn't think of the name. That's the one where, uh, is it the one that's like proper Dracula vibe to it? Yeah, it's, it's where Karl Marx is buried. Oh, right. I didn't know yeah, that. And the one in Paris where, uh, what's his name, is buried. Uh, Jim Morrison is like that as well. Yeah, I mean, some of those things, they're not, they're not just graves, they're temples. And, yeah, yeah. you know, it wasn't just a matter of a, gra- a, a guy cutting an inscription on a stone. It was like engineering was involved, you know. So these guys are making a statement in debt that was like, I was a powerful man, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure, mate, for sure. I think what what had me about Glasnevin was, uh, I'm not sure which side of the graveyard it was, but it was like, it was almost like it, it was, uh, there were a tomb, and around it was, it was almost like it was, uh, some sort of fort. Where, oh, I know it. Yeah, yeah, the catacombs. It was in the ground. That's and then it. it was, the catacomb- yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was the, the big round tower in the middle. That's it, mate. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's down. Uh, that's the O'Connell family uh, grave. Oh, so that's that's for a specific all that. Yeah, yeah, Daniel, that, and interesting enough, Daniel Collin, who he was once the master mason, the grand mason of the Irish Lodge. Yeah, that's that. That's not an ancient round. That's not an ancient round tower. That's only about you know 150 years old. It was built upon. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's copied like an it's not it's not one it's not an authentic ground tower. It's a, it's a it's only about 150 years old. But that's the O'Connell family, Daniel O'Connell, who was like the guy who freed. He was a member of the of Parliament when Ireland was part of the UK, and he was the one that stopped Catholic gave gave Catholic emancipation, because it was basically for for after the Battle of the Boyne when King William of Orange conquered both England and Ireland, it was basically illegal to be a Catholic for like a couple of hundred years and you had no rights or anything. And so, you know, that wasn't so bad in England, but in Ireland where nearly everyone was Catholic, it was really bad because it was really holding the country back. And so he got Catholic emancipation for Catholics to give them, you know, allowing them to vote, allowing them to own property, allowing them to do all things they were not allowed to do, run for government, and him and the, it was actually the Duke of Wellington, uh, Lord Wesley, who actually, along with Daniel O'Connell, gave Catholic emancipation. But um, yeah, and that that's why so he was considered such a, a hero in Ireland is because he basically got Catholics their civil rights after like a couple of hundred years of being second class citizens. So that's why he has that special grave. That is uh, that's impressive, and thanks for sharing that, mate. Because you know I wouldn't have known about that from speaking to you. I'm, I'm just yeah. uh, I'm proper proper chuffed that you actually know of this graveyard, the Glass Nevin one, um, and it's meant you've given me other suggestions for Mount Jerome because next time we go over, we are going over, hopefully yeah. this year at some point. I would uh, love to go and have a look at this. Yeah, yeah, go to Mount There's loads, there's loads of esoteric stuff around Dublin. There's actually a film on the Round Room Three One Three channel called The Cult Dublin. A lot of the stuff is in there. You'll find in, in, in Mount Jerome, there's a lot of statues of Lucifer. Seriously? Uh, yeah, the esoteric wow. Lucifer. He's, he's as an angel now, he's not as a devil, but he's the esoteric Lucifer of theosophy and the Masons. And you'll always know he has a, he's always, he has always a star on top of his forehead. So it looks like a regular angel, but it has a star yeah. on the forehead. That's it, that's Lucifer. Because Lucifer, Lucifer is a big was a big shock in Irish masonry. 
And he's really? all, yeah, oh yeah, well that's their main god, and uh, you know because he was the one, you know, no, it's not not Lucifer the devil, it's, right, it's right. the esoteric angel of Lucifer. Lucifer is actually a pagan god that existed long before the Bible was even written. But yeah, but they worship the belief that like when Lucifer was cast out of heaven, yeah, yeah. by the by Jehovah or Yahweh, whatever you want to call him, that man obtained man obtained enlightenment, that he began to think for himself. And they had a thing called the Analusius, the year of light, which is about 6,000 years ago. And that was determined by a guy called James Usher, who was the Archbishop of, of Armagh here in Ireland. And the Masons started following that. Yeah, so if you go to Mount Jerome, I'm sure actually many cemetery nearby, you, you go as well. If you have ever had an angel and the angel has a star on its head, that's the pentagram. That's the... That's the star of the planet Venus and its orbit around the Earth that makes the shape, the shape of the pentagram. Hey, this is just golden, all this information, Thomas. It's uh, your wealth, your wealth of knowledge, mate, in anything. Yeah, so, you know, that's, that's what makes it makes life cult. so interesting, doesn't it? So it when you go, mate, yeah. you go to an old cemetery, suddenly you have a whole, a whole field of knowledge that you're able to enjoy it and explore it and be elevated and educated by it on a whole new level yeah uh, that's Brilliant, one, this that's one that's what i always people say some people said to me why are you interested in all that occult and esoteric stuff and i just say because it makes life much more interesting it certainly does, it certainly yeah. does. you walk around an old city and, and suddenly it's not just old buildings you see symbols and meanings and it, it's suddenly your life is just much more it's just more it's more it's actually fun you know, because you're, it's a it's a journey of discovery. It's like the education they never gave you in school. Yeah, it's like uh, it's almost like just by us. Like I've made a couple of notes on what for out for now. It's when you do go looking for them and you find it. It's it's what pure joy is. You're yeah. like, yeah. Thomas told me this, and you're like, yeah, fucking made up. Because the yeah. way everything starts making sense. Yeah, when I go around these old churches in England, you know, that's an interesting thing. You know, the, the story of that they did, that the early Christians built churches on top of ancient pagan sites. That's, yes. a, that's, a, that's a well-known thing. But that only really exists in England. It doesn't exist in Ireland. In Ireland, they didn't really build on the pagans, on the pagan sites. They tended to build the churches away from them separately. But in right. England, they did. They went right on top. And you can tell... When you're in an old English churchyard, uh, you know right away that you're in a you're in a pagan place. The paraphrase that album by the Water Boys. But yeah, like for instance, for, for, for instance, top uh, band, mate, top band of the Water Boys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a couple of them are from around here. Steve Wickham. And, oh nice. Yeah, they're all from two of them are from around here. Yeah, brilliant musicians. But uh, uh, what was I going to say? So yeah, the, my friend Neil Macdonald, who runs uh, he he runs the megalithic con the the, Air, the mysteries concert in Preston, which I'm I'm I did I did the last couple of years, and I'm going to be the MC for it this year. And uh, right. he took me to a place called a church up in Cam up in Cumbria, not too far from you, called Daca. And in that churchyard, the minute I stepped into that churchyard, I was like, uh I'm in a pagan place. And and he said, I want to show you something that's really strange here. And there's four bizarre statues called the Dakar Bears. That they just call them, they just named that. 
but these things are absolutely ancient and they're of animals that you wouldn't know what these animals are or, or creatures or the shapes of them you couldn't figure them out and you know and apparently the story is is when they were building the, the church in the 1100s they found these things under the foundations so there was actually some kind of ancient oh, foundations. Yeah, so it was some ancient. I think they were actually even re- rebuilding the church when they found them. I think the old church, the foundations weren't strong enough. So in the eleven hundreds, they rebuilt the church again, and that's when they found these four sculptures, which they called the Daca Bears. And you're looking at these things, and you're saying these come from a different consciousness. This is like a whole different way of thinking. This is like no art school that I that I know of or is aware of. And you see, that's just only in a little village in England. And that's just one little village in England. And then you multiply that by all these strange anomalies all over the place. It's just, there's a whole other histories around us that we're not, unless you really go looking for it, that we're not privy to. Do you know? You know. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking that with, with regards to these being been found under the under the church like the foundation. Do you think they've been hidden deliberately, or do you think they were, they were even hidden? Or the early Christians might have hit the the first Christians might have hid them deliberately. And there's lots of things like that. They have found like standing stones in churches. Even here in Ireland, there's a place called Holy Island. It's off the coast of. It's in the River Shannon, but it's at the part of the Shannon where it's like the sea. It's really really wide. You know, it's coming into the ocean. And the island has lots of ancient stuff on it, an enormous monastic set, monastic culture, and it has a round tower and a load of other things. But it has a stone circle buried inside the church that they actually built the church around in a small stone circle. And if you go inside this beautiful kind of like Romanesque ecclesiastical church building, inside it is a stone circle, and you can see where they hadn't got the balls to destroy the old monument. So they pissed off the locals. So they said to the pagans, well, we'll just we'll build a nice little building around that. And eventually that became a church. Now you see that all over England. You see like a standing stone that's been stuck into a wall. And you, you ever hear the shield and the gigs? They're all over Ireland as well. They're a statue of a woman. It's a statue of a woman. You ever see that a shield at a gig is a, 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 a statue of a woman holding her vagina open and sticking her tongue out like Callie. And that's all that and they're they're all over ancient Irish churches. Folks say it, right? Yeah, yeah, she check that up. Is she in the gig? And and, and, and and they're all they're all over early Irish churches. And she's holding her vagina open and pointing it at you. It's really weird. But uh, well that's with reference to well there's loads of theories. Some people it's to do with like it's the portal into the other world. Some people say it's making fun of pagans you know, this kind of thing. Some people say it's like, it's making fun of the goddess Eru, which, you know, Ireland is named after the female goddess Eru. Other ones saying that they incorporated early pagan goddess cults into the church. There's loads of theories, but nothing hard and fast. But they're all over Ireland. Some great, they're all over Ireland. They're not ancient churches. So you, you look, you find this stuff, you know, and, uh, but especially in England, a lot of the, there's loads of churches built on stone circles or enclosures or barrows and stuff like that. And, and it, it seemed that the early church in England made a real attempt to build upon these ancient sites. Yeah. And for a different reason than the Irish ones, 
the Irish ones were almost like, well, this is where the people go to venerate the old gods and stuff like that. So we might as well build our church here because it's handy, right? Because they come here anyway, you know, and we can probably get a few punters. But the English ones are almost built in such a way that they're aware that there's an energy force there and they're tapping into it. That, that I love, I love the sound of that, mate. And I would sway that way as well. There's yeah. something else like an energy. Yeah, there's, well, there's these energetic lions that go up and down all across England, you know, like the Michael and Mary line and all these other things. Uh, and there's definitely something to that, because if you look at the one that runs from like London across to Cornwall, it goes through Stonehenge and so many things. There has oh, to be yes. It, you know, it goes through like Old Sarum, it goes through Salisbury Cathedral. There, ha- there has to be something to that. You know, yeah, yeah. that can't be an accident. No, I, I don't. I don't believe it was a coincidence, an accident, or anything along those lines. There is a huge significance in all this, and I, th- I honestly don't think we'll ever find out what the true definition of it all is. Yeah, we can try, but, but, but it's a great mystery. Uh, David it Ike, is have, certainly have you seen that new David Ike film, Albion? It's it, 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 not it's, I've just seen the clips from him, but I want to, when I have a chance, I'm going to sit down and stream it. He's gotten, seems to have gotten really big into the, well, maybe, I know he was always kind of into it, but he's, the new film is about these lines, these energy lines that run across Britain and Ireland. And the documentary looks quite good, so I'm going to check it out. And it's, it's, all, it's, about, it's called Albion, like the old England. Albion, the old Albion. England. Uh, but I he, wish he, it was still called that, you know. Yeah, me too. But, Quality name. Yeah, but, but he says that these energy lines ex- extend into Ireland and extend into Brittany in France. So yeah. I, I haven't seen the film, but I want to check it out. But uh, it seems to be a growing thing again. Like every few, it kind of but it goes away and comes back. But the set, you know, my friend Neil MacDonald up in Preston, he's very much into the ancient pilgrimage route, uh, that these were actually pilgrimage routes in the old days. And But I, I, I think there's something definitely to that. But I think there was some force. You know, think about the world before they had radios and televisions and electromagnetic spectrum and electro, electromagnetic pollution. People would have been much more sensitive to things in nature, the way animals oh, are. Definitely, yeah. mate. Definitely. Yeah. You think, think of all the pollution we get from, example, lighting, like, uh, you know, like street lights. Yeah. You Radio, tra- television, yeah. police, Everything, rare traffic control. Yes. It's... Yeah everywhere it's like when, when you when you you look up at like like how i've been taking pictures of the moon you can you look up at it and you can barely get a, a good picture because of the street lights it just it just wrecks everything in my opinion i mean you don't get me wrong yeah you need you need them in some areas but i think it just about confirms yeah. about how much we're being polluted Oh, well, if you go into the, like, there's a, there's deep sky observatories around the place. I don't know if you, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, yeah, you have a few of them, I'm sure, in the UK. But there's one up in uh, Northern Ireland, uh, up around, uh, what's the name of the place? Uh, damn it. It's, uh, it's, there's all stone circles there, but it's also, a, it's up in the mountains in Northern Ireland. And oh, okay. It's also a, just full of stone circles. Ah, can't, damn it, I can't remember the name. It's in my head. But uh, you go up there at night. And you see the sky the way our ancestors saw it, and it's just billions of stars. It's you know billions of them, and uh, 
you know, so that, we, you know, you live in a city, you don't know this. I mean, I grew up in a city, I grew up in Dublin, so I didn't see any, I see all the moon and a few bright stars, but nothing yeah, yeah. depends. I remember I went on a camping trip in County Wicklow, British Bay. Uh, it's built up now, but back then it wasn't. And we camped on the beach and uh, I got up at night to go take a pee. And I walked outside and it was the first time in my life I ever saw the stars in all their glory from horizon to horizon. And it was honestly, I was only about 12 or something at the time, but it was like a spiritual experience. Mate, I bet you still remember it as clear as anything, like it was yesterday now. Breathtaking. That's how much of an impact, yeah. Breathtaking, yeah. Um, I had something similar. I think we went to Portugal about three or four years ago, and the sky at night there, it was just like, it was like another world. It was was crazy out of difference. And all that was was because there was hardly any street lighting. And also the clear skies are a lot more common because they get more sunshine. And that's another, right, okay. that's another thing too. We don't really have a star lore in our part of the world. If you look at all the star lore, it's all from the Middle East or yeah. the Mediterranean or India. It's not from here because it makes sense. We don't have enough we don't have enough uh, enough clear skies for that to happen. Fog's got the bad weather out there, mate, as well. That, yeah. that helps. Well, that's, like what I mean. yeah, that's, that's what I mean. So where is the problem? Where in these countries where they have the real star lore, where the zodiacs and the astrology came out, they're countries that like have sunny skies most of the time, and it makes sense, doesn't it? Like Egypt. And yeah, stuff. it does, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's like like what you just saying then, Thomas, about like um, for example, like an astrological observatory. We've got one not too far from me. It's called Jodrell Bank. I'm thinking. Oh, I know the the radio telescope thing is gigantic. Yeah. Is um is that what you, what you mean like that kind of telescope? Like a huge, massive, huge one where you can proper scenes of space. Yeah, that, that, but they're seeing. They they listen for sounds and they they draw like a. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, that that those things are kind of creepy looking. They give me the willies. <laughs> yeah, I think Jodrell Bank is still the biggest in the world that it used to be. Really? Yeah, it, it's gigantic, and uh, yeah, they they don't they they just use radio. They use radio to peer into space. They use they look for gamma rays and things like that, but uh, yeah, Georgia Bank's immense. I've seen it from I've never been up close to, it, but I passed it on the train. It's absolutely huge. I know yeah. that there's a massive one in Puerto Rico in in the in the Caribbean, and there's a few massive ones in America. But uh, there's something they're all built into mountains. But the one that's Georgia Bank, it stands up on its own. It looks like a big uh, old-fashioned TV dish. <laughs> that's a top top interpretation mate it does look very odd <laughs> it's it's built in the 50s so it has that like kind of like retro technology thing going on yeah yeah i, I could imagine back then in the is that when it was from around the 50s i think, think so the 50s 60s yeah that would have been the probably the height of technology back then oh yeah well that was around the time that britain still had a space program I mean, Britain was trying <laughs> to build a space program in the 1950s, but right. uh, it, I, I don't know what the, why it didn't take off. But I, but they 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 just the, the Americans and the Russians just you know just out just outdid them in quick time. But that was yeah. built from a time when they were like eager to start, try and get you know rockets into space from you know from from Britain. But it it, it just it never happened for some reason. Right, I, mean, I tell you what, it never happened that we know of. Imagine if it did. <laughs> and they just not dis- not disclosed any of it. And they're, they're speaking to grey aliens and shit on moon. 
Wouldn't that be something, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. It would, if only. I just, I mean, I'm not sure what we like, what you like for time, mate. But um, I can't stay. I can't right, stay okay. too much longer. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll just, uh, I'll just ask one more thing. Is if that's okay, and then maybe we could. Um, Again, in a couple of weeks or whenever you next got in available. A, in a, thing, couple, in a couple of months, because I got so. Oh, brilliant, mate! I got so much stuff to do. Yes, and I know you're a very busy man. And I'm trying to concentrate on my own stuff. But yeah, yes. now get back to me in the wait, spring wait. or something. Get back to me in the spring. Oh yeah, lovely, no problem, mate. Um, what was going to say then? It's, it's just gone out of my head. You it's gone, mate. You said you had one more thing to ask me. Yeah, it was about. Um, have you ever? And I know it's quite a difficult question, but have you ever had any interactions with any grey aliens? Yeah. You seriously? I'm serious. Yeah. We wow. witness um, twice. Once on magic mushrooms, <laughs> and, uh, they were surrounding me. <laughs> you mean, you, mate, me. you are me. I love it. Yeah. Once on magic mushrooms, I didn't. Need, and the other, and I didn't even know what they were because they had, they, had, they weren't, they weren't popular. It was before that that book by Whitley Streeper, Communion, came out. Ah, right. By right. So it was years before that. And the other time was I woke up one night and they were looking down at me in my bed, and uh, the the woman, my, my the woman I was with at the time was looking at the back the back room the back window, and the, the whole house was filled with light, and she said, "Oh, they're aliens." And the next morning, when she woke up, she says to me, "I had the maddest dream last night." That there was an alien spaceship in the backyard and great aliens were in the backyard. And I said, Well, I was lying in bed and I saw you looking out the window. And I thought right, it was right. a, I thought it was a dream. So it was a reality slip or yeah, yeah. it was the that's real thing. I don't believe that I don't believe they're aliens from outer space. I, I don't believe that. I believe they're like interdimensionals, like what John Keel called them, ultra terrestrials. That they're they're, a, they're they live in a diff in a dimension alongside us. And they're more close. They're more closely connected to uh, fairies and things like that. And Whitley Strieber, when he wrote the book Communion, he was under tremendous uh, pressure by the publishers to call them aliens. And in the end, he said no, and he called them visitors, which I thought was a very good compromise because he was saying, "No, they're not from space. There's something else going on. They're like fairies. It's something like that." And I met uh, Travis Walton about five years ago at an event in Texas, and he was speaking there, and so was I. And he's the guy that was, he was a lumberjack that was abducted in the Pacific Northwest of yes. America. Fire in, in the sky. And he's an absolutely lovely man, top, beautiful man. And uh, he was really nice, friendly, old-fashioned American type guy. And uh, I said to him, you know, I, I love the book and I love the movie and I totally believe your story and, and all that stuff. And I says, do you ever think that it was you could have had it was some kind of fairy experience because you were cutting down the trees that you were damaging there? You know, I told him the stories that in Ireland, you know, that if you knock down, knock down an ancient, an ancient wood, an ancient stone circle or something, the fairies will curse you. And he said, yeah, I know about that. And I said, do you not think it was something like that? And he says, in recent years, he goes, I now think it might be something like that. So there you go. 
So Travis Walton was, is even moving in that direction as well. I think like John, John Teal in his book, Our Haunted Planet, uh, he called them ultra-terrestrials, and I, I believe that. They're here. They're not from outer space. They're, yeah, they're yeah. just they're in a different dimension next to us. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I think that is a legitimate um, description that, that I am definitely swaying towards. Uh, it just makes more sense for them to be able to switch between dimensions or realms, so to speak. Yeah, and if you look at, if you look at, I'll leave you with this little one, last one. If you look, if you look at how Whitley Strebers and other people who talk about have been abducted and what what the inside of the spaceship was like, it is almost identical to Irish folklore stories of having been taken away with the fairies. In Irish folklore, if anyone has, I've even met someone that happened to them, that if you there's a thing called the fairy stray and you end you end up in fairy land, and what fairy land is. It's this world, but it's not quite the same. This might bring us back to the moon thing at the beginning, and yes. and they all people are in ancient in art, not even ancient art, Irish folklore. They say that fairyland. Say you're walking around County Sligo or Galway or somewhere, and you suddenly find yourself in fairyland. You've been abducted by the fairies. He said it looks like the neighbourhood or the farming area or the where you live, but it's very badly maintained. They have yeah. cows and sheep, but they're not well looked after. They're sickly. The uh, they don't their their farms are not well kept. Their crops grow poorly, and they have a jealousy of humans who are really that were really good at farming. They have a jealousy yeah. towards yeah. us now. And they said, but in, in the fairy world, everything is unhygienic. It's dirty. It's not very well. It's not a very pleasant environment. It's very badly kept. And they say that about the spaceships, that like when we were abducted, the sp- inside of the spaceship was filthy. It was very yeah, unhygienic yeah. and they were sticking these things in me. And I was worried, about, I was fright- more frightened of infection than I was of the fair- of the aliens. And also they, in, the, in the Irish folklore, they have it, the fairy stray includes, you, you feel like you've been gone for days or, and then it turns out you're only gone for five minutes or it feels like you're gone for five minutes and it's people you were missing for a week. Like travel yeah, 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 yeah. So it's so when you start looking at the, the alien abduction thing and comparing it to the fairy folklore stuff, it all it all glues together. So that's like I think John Keel in his book nailed it perfectly. Nice, nice one, one, mate. Uh, I love it, Thomas. You know it's been a true honour speaking with you yet again. Thank you for giving me the opportunity, mate. That was um, that was a killer episode, mate. I loved every bit of it. Seriously. Um, you yeah. really are something else, sir. You really are. And can I plug something? Of course you can, mate. I was just going to say then before you go. Yeah, I have, I, I have on Beyond Room 313 on Sunday night, 8 p.m. Irish UK time and 9 p.m. Central European time. I have a brand new show called Hocus Focus. Uh, oh. And it's devoted just to these kinds of topics. And uh, we're covering this Sunday. The, is this the last pope? and a few other things. And uh, I'm co-hosting with a lady called uh, Sarah Mondaini, and she, uh, Mondaini, Mondaini, and she is uh, uh, from your part of the world. And if, if we did the first episode last week, and it got great reviews. So if people want to watch that, go to Beyond Room 313, on, sun, on and you can watch the show on Sunday nights. And it's also, arch- the older ones are also archived there. But it's, mate, it's, mate, it's, 
It's a really good, you know, mystery yeah, yeah. type magazine show. We put in a bit of effort. Like I went to the Battle of Blythe Road where Crowley and the Pony Yates battled it out in London. So we have reports from around the place and stuff. So I think if you like this stuff, I know you love it. And maybe oh, you're, yes. you're, maybe you're, you're, but something, and it's a, it's a nice one Sunday night because it's the wind down with. So you got like an hour and a half. So you don't have to think about going to work the next morning and shite like that. So it's hocus <laughs> focus, focused on yes, beyond mate, one, yes, three, round room 313 on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Sounds, uh, Thomas, what I'll do is I'll, I'll put all your links in the show notes. Um, I'll have this episode out within the hour. Um, I think it's um, of that much importance because we spoke about the moon. Yeah, and send me the link so I'll share it tonight. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I'll have it with you in an hour, mate. But uh, Thomas, thanks again, mate. You are a true legend. Um, okay, I can't have, wait. A good I can't... have a good evening, brother. You too, mate. All right, nice one. See you later, okay. mate. Bye. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face. Blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.